Hey, Wine Answers, it's Marie here. Before we get started with this week's episode, I wanted to remind you about our upcoming virtual workshop on Thursday, October 22nd called Building Wealth in Your 401k. If you listen to episode two, or if you've been following us for any period of time, then you know that contributing to our 401ks is one of the biggest reasons that Stephanie and I have both been able to build multiple six-figure portfolios within just a few years. In this workshop, we're gonna teach you how to navigate your provider's website, how to confidently make investment selections, how to determine how much you can afford to contribute, strategies for maximizing your 401k growth, and much more. And because we want you to build as much wealth as you can, we are committed to offering our workshop at an affordable price, $37. So go to winancefi.com slash workshops to register today. That's W-I-N-E-N-A-N-C-E-F-I.com slash workshops with an S. We can't wait to see you there. And thank you so much for joining us again this week. We have a really great show for you. Um, before we get started, I wanted to give everybody a reminder that we have a workshop coming up. Yes. Um, so if you were on the show last week, or if you listened to the show last week, um, you heard our announcement that we are doing our first Winance workshop. It's a virtual workshop on Thursday, October 27th at 7 p.m. And it is all about building wealth through your 401k. Stephanie and I feel so strongly and passionately that your 401k is one of the greatest wealth building tools that you have at your disposal, but not enough people are using it the right way and don't know how to take advantage of it. So we are gonna walk you through how to take advantage of it and how to build wealth through your 401k. So uh, definitely go check that out. You can go to winancefi.com slash workshops with an S to learn more about that. Yes, definitely. I'm so excited for that. So it's our first workshop and we hope to see you all there. And another fun thing that we do at Wine Ants, of course, is our drink of the week. That's how we always like to start off our show, you know, a little bit something fun to do. So who is watching and what are you drinking today? I know for us, cheers. Cheers. (laughs) (laughs) This week, our drink of the week is another super simple recipe, one of our personal favorites. And I know definitely one of my husband's favorites and his go-to come this time of year. It is a whiskey cider and it's super simple to make. There's a few different variations of the recipe. This is one that I know Marie likes. And all it is, is one shot of fireball whiskey, one cup of fresh apple cider, or, you know, refrigerated apple cider, doesn't matter how fresh. <laughs> fresh is always better though. A splash of ginger ale, and all you do is fill up a glass with ice, pour in the fireball, pour in the apple cider, add a splash of ginger, stir, and you are done. You're so done. it is literally like fall in a glass. It is one of my favorite things this time of year. It is very delicious. I love it. I actually use sparkling cider. So you kind of cut down on ingredients. So it's just whiskey and sparkling cider. So there you go. And if you want to, you know, knock it up a bit, you can put a little Jameson in there. I want to boost it up a little. I if you like want to level up your beverage. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of level up. <laughs> I know. Speaking of level up. 
So if you have been joining this season for Winance, then you know that we have a weekly challenge. And so last week's weekly challenge was to increase your 401k to at least your employer match. Um, if you're already contributing to at least your employer match, then it was to increase to, you know, 4%, 5%, whatever bit you can, or even better to max it out. And so definitely we want to know if you guys were able to participate in the challenge of the week and how much you were able to increase it to. I know for me, when I started contributing to my 401k, I think I started at literally 1%. <laughs> I was like, that's all I can do. And then little by little, you know, I increased a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I did when my employer finally started matching, I definitely made sure I got at least to the match. And then just a few years ago, I finally broke down. I did the math for both my, you know, my 401k and my husband's 401k. And I said, you know what, if we like buckle down, we can really max out our 401ks. I didn't even think that was possible for us, but it absolutely was. And we have been so much better for it. Our net worth has, you know, exploded over the past few years because of that, yeah. in addition to a few other things as well. But yeah. that has definitely been such a boost to uh, our net worth and, and to our growing wealth. So you know, hopefully everyone was able to participate in that and be able to see some of the uh, benefits of it over the next few weeks, months, and years. <laughs> Steph, do you feel like that your lifestyle was compromised in any way by increasing and maxing out your 401k? No, definitely not. And that was kind of the thing where I was like, okay, you know, we're not gonna be able to eat out as much and we're not gonna be able to do certain things and go on certain vacations or whatever, but really like our life has basically been the same. You know, our, our son was going to daycare at the time. We still paid for daycare. We wanted to go on a vacation. We went on vacations and it was the same vacation we went on before we were maxing out, you know? So, and if anything, it was probably more expensive because, you know, things get more expensive year after year. So really we, you know, we don't, we didn't really eat out a ton at that point either. And the past few years, we've really been conscious about that and our spending, being more intentional about how we spend our money. And so it was just easy to try to focus on where we were putting our money rather than just, you know, spending however we wanted. So now that we were living more intentionally and spending more intentionally, it really wasn't a sacrifice in any way. Like I almost can't think of anything that we gave up or sacrificed in effort to max out our 401k. I mean, and you've been maxing out yours longer than even I have. I mean, yeah. anything that you've had to give up or sacrifice in the name of 401k or, or retirement savings? I, I really don't feel like there is. We still take vacations. We still eat out, not all the time. We definitely cut back on eating out, but we're more intentional when we go out to eat, you know, before COVID and quarantine, you know, we would be strategic and pick a restaurant that we actually wanted to try as opposed to spending money on takeout. And of course we have those nights where, you know, I just have to have Chick-fil-A or, you know, I don't feel like cooking, but um, no, I definitely don't feel like uh, our lifestyle has been compromised at all since uh, maxing out our 401ks. And now it's just such a normal part of our lives. Like even if I were to ever take a pay decrease, you know, I still would can I would still make sure I could always max out my 401k because that's a life goal of mine. That's a priority. That's a higher priority to me than spending money on trivial things that really didn't bring a lot of value to my life in the first place. Definitely. I agree with that. You know, again, it just becomes what's your priorities and, and where do you really want to focus your your life energy and your money and everything. So that's right. That actually kind of leads into this week's topic. 
That's right. So this week's topic is about living intentionally through financial independence. And we thought we would actually kick it off by defining what financial independence is, especially if we have any viewers here who might be new to WineAnswer, just new to the concept of financial independence. So financial independence, or FI as it's known, um, is a movement. Um, it's a financial movement. And basically, it is the uh, status of having saved enough money that you can pay for your life expenses for the rest of your life. Um, and this is generally done, uh, um, pay for your life expenses, by the way, without actually having to work. So once you reach a certain number, you're, you've, you've reached your FI number, you no longer have to work, you can choose to work. And when you have that opportunity to choose to work, it opens up a lot of different options to you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that tonight. But um, there is one thing to know about FI, and we will do an episode about um, growing wealth and investing for financial independence and, and sort of the math behind it. But there's one formula that is, that is genu generally accepted within the financial independence, and that's 25 times your annual expenses. So the concept is that if you can save 25 times your annual expenses, then you will be able to withdraw around three or 4% from your portfolio every single year until, you know, until, until you are no longer. And generally that, that, um, that formula factors in that you will not outlive your portfolio, your investments as well. So as I mentioned, we will definitely talk about more about the, the formula and the math behind financial independence. But tonight we want to talk more about what FI is and isn't. Yes, definitely. And I, I think the good thing to start with is what it isn't, because I think a lot of people will hear stories of other people who have achieved financial independence or even fire financial independence, retire early. And tonight we're more specifically talking about the FI part, that financial independence part, because they really are two separate things. And so financial independence and aiming for it, trying to achieve it, and then actually achieving it, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not some magic bullet that's going to make you rich overnight. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes knowledge and learning. And without learning at least the very basics of it, if not, you know, even more and educating yourself on ways to invest, intelligent, you know, you know, thoughtful ways to invest and where your money is going and what these different types of accounts are that where your money is being invested. Without having that knowledge, there's really no way to achieve it. I mean, certainly you can go out and win the lottery and <laughs> that's the way to achieve it in one capacity. But we're talking about through investing, financial independence through investing. So it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's not a lottery ticket. And it's not some way to just throw your money into some magic bucket that's going to make it multiply by a million dollars. It's also not a MLM or a multi-level marketing. So, you know, if people are trying to you know, convince you that you need to spend money to buy their thing and then sell these products and whatever, like, no, definitely not. I mean, financial independence, the whole beauty of it is that it's based on rules that currently exist for everyone, you know, whether you live in the United States or the United Kingdom or wherever else in the world, every country has their own um, investment and, and retirement planning rules for their own different types of accounts. Now, Marie and I certainly are more familiar with the U.S. Uh, accounts and rules and, and investment options, but a lot of them are similar across different country and borders. And so the point, again, is that, you know, there's all these basic rules and 
the way to achieve financial independence is learning about these rules and how to use them to your advantage, not by trying to sell some product and get all your friends to buy the product from you and then having your friends sell for you and you earn a commission off of that. Getting through that whole pyramid scheme, MLM scheme, that's definitely not what it is either. Again, it's not a get rich quick scheme and it's not a way to just try to, you know, mess over other people as well. It's a legitimate way to earn money and invest your money and build and grow wealth. And then the last thing too, is that if you haven't achieved financial independence by the end of your goal, that's okay. Again, it's just, it's something to reach for. And I said this on the first episode of this season, that if you have a goal to, you know, save and invest a million dollars and you only get halfway there, you still have half a million dollars. Like that's the beauty of financial independence is that no matter what you set your quote FI number to, whether that's 500,000 or a million or 2 million, if you get any portion of that, you have already succeeded. You've already won and you're far better off than you would have been otherwise. And again, mostly because you're going to take the time to learn. How do I invest my money? Where is my money going? What type of accounts am I putting my money in? These are the things that no one can take away from you. It's kind of like teaching a man to fish. You know, you can teach a man to fish or you can give a man a fish. And the goal of Wineance and talking about this and the concepts of financial independence is to teach you how to fish. You know, that's exactly what we did. We could have easily called up a financial planner and said, okay, here's my bucket of money, you know, make me more. And they would be glad to take a good chunk out of that bucket out and, and charge us for it. And then we may or may not make money. I have no idea. And I'd be one of those people where people would say, well, where's your money invested? And I go, oh, you know, no idea. But it's a lot of people. Exactly. I can tell you exactly where every dollar is. I can tell you all my different account types and, you know, generally what percentage is going to what. And I can speak intelligently about it and feel confident about where I'm investing my money. And so that's really what financial independence is. It's a path to spend and invest your money intentionally. So I've talked a lot of this about where investing your money and building wealth, but it's not just about putting your money into some kind of investment account or your retirement account either. The flip side of that is spending intentionally and living intentionally. And so financial independence is about figuring out the life that you want to live and determining the path to get there. Now, that life is probably going to cost money. So that's why we talk about investing a lot. But it's also, well, what are the things that are really important to you that you want to do? And how is the money that you're going to invest and save going to help you achieve those actions and those goals? And that's what financial independence is, allowing you to live the life that you want, to live the life that you deserve, and use your money intentionally on those things, not on all the other things that you could kind of care less about or that are important to other people who might may or may not be around you and you know that you you kind of just don't have an opinion on or don't even care about at all you spend your money on the things that you do care about and the things that you find value in yeah we've talked about coasting before and um and that's not to be confused with coast fi which is something totally different but this concept of coasting which is what um, honestly a lot of people are doing you know you get you get a job you get a career you you know you start you know you're you start adulting right and then you build this lifestyle and you end up spending without intention you're just sort of spending arbitrarily you're spending um uh spontaneously on things that like you didn't 
you even know you want it or need it, but you see the, you know, the, the shiny thing and you're like, oh, I want that. Or, you know, somebody else is doing that. And that sounds like a cool thing. And certainly there is value in some of those more spontaneous um, purchases and things. And, you know, we would never want to tell anyone to steal the joy of life, but that's actually not what FI is at all. It's actually right. about creating more joy and more happiness in life. And instead of coasting through your finances and coasting through your spending, you're choosing intentionally this buying this or spending money on this or not buying this and not spending money on this directly contributes to a goal of mine. And this is going to make me happier. And I can tell you exactly which area of my life it's going to make me happier and feel more fulfilled with. Definitely. I agree. And that was kind of the thing for me when I started to spend more intentionally, you know, you still kind of get those pangs inside where you see something that someone has, or they're doing something that you're like, oh man, I'd love to be there. I'd love to be Former doing that. alcoholic here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and you know, that part's not going to go away, but then also there's that voice inside that says, yeah, but do you really care about that? Okay. Right. Prime example, quick side story. So I used to love home goods and I still do love home oh, goods. Like I love going through there, even if I have nothing, which let's face it, most of the time you go through home goods, you have no intention of buying anything. And then you end up like with $200 worth of home goods. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I used to go through there and I would just be like, oh, I want this and I want that and I want that. You know, I wanted everything. I thought everything yeah. was so cute and everything is so cute. But when I started spending more intentionally and living more intentionally, I started going through there. And I remember there was one time I went through there and I was just thinking to myself, I actually was going there intentionally for something. I needed like whatever it was, I needed the thing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go here, but I, I know I just need to get this one thing. Don't go spend a ton of money. And I went through and I was like, yeah, this is really cute, but this is not worth this. And this is really cute, but I don't want to spend that money. Like just the desire slowly started to leave. And that's the thing is that over time, you're, that little voice in your head that's saying it's not really worth it gets louder and louder. Yes. And those little pains inside of you that make you want that thing get smaller and smaller. Yeah. And so that's kind of the benefit of it. And so now definitely, like I said, there's things I see and I'm like, oh man, that would be so nice to have. But you just, it, there's other things that are more important to you. And those are the things that really start to take priority in your mind and priority in your life. Yeah. We are going to do an episode about spending intentionally and talk more about this topic um, in more detail. But um, something you said kind of uh, triggered something for me is that when you are challenging yourself to go through a store where you know you're going for one thing and you are avoiding, you know, spending money on things that you don't need, you're basically flexing a muscle, right? You're, you're, oh, yeah. you're using a muscle that you weren't using before. And the more that you strengthen that muscle, the more successful you'll be, right? It's just yep. like going to the gym. Definitely. So I know in terms of living intentionally, we have kind of four topics that we think are really critical to understanding what that means and understanding how that applies to achieving financial independence. Yeah. So our four reasons on why you should pursue financial independence, and just to summarize real quick, and we'll go through all of these, is financial and health security, freedom, which equals choice in how you choose to live your life, time ownership, and building generational wealth. And we find all of these things to be extremely important in terms of what they mean to you, what they mean to achieving financial independence. And particularly for me, the first one is probably the crux for me. <laughs> and that that's in, you know, your security level. And I'll say, that I think we talked about this before, where I said, 
security is my insecurity. Like, mm -hmm. you know, just the, the way that we grew up and everything, like to me, stability is number one and giving my family a stable and secure life is the most important thing to me. Making sure that we always have a roof over our head and my son always has a place to come home and call home and, you know, making sure that I'm gonna be able to pay my bills and not have to worry about collectors knocking down the door and, and repossessing things or whatever. Like, I wanna make sure that my life is as stable as possible for my family because I think that's the healthiest thing for my family, as well as for health. I mean, that's the thing is that we talk about financial security, but also taking care of yourself and and your you know your health and your body is extremely important but you know we all get old at some point and and our bodies age and unfortunately healthcare is ridiculously expensive in this yeah. country and so you know as you get older things aren't going to get cheaper and so you have to account for that and the best way to do is to try to plan as early as possible if you set yourself up to hopefully reach financial independence. But again, even getting halfway there could help you in your later years. Mm -hmm. You know, Medicare only covers but so much. A lot of people still have to cover, there's a whole concept of the donut hole in Medicare mm -hmm. where they'll cover up to a certain point and there's like kind of this period where you're expected to cover a good portion of it and then they'll cover once you've reached beyond a certain point. And so you can't even rely 100% on Medicare. There's a lot of expenses that come just as you age. So that's the important thing to think about as well. And you know, a lot of people will think that, oh, well I, you know, I have kids and that's what I had kids for to pay for mom and dad and to take care of mom and dad as they age. And you know, Marie and I you know, we could both say that Yes, that's definitely something that, of course, hopefully if you have a good relationship with your, your children, that that's something that you could do and they would be glad to to help you if you, they needed to and if you needed to. But you don't want to put that burden on them. You know, that's the last thing that I would want for my child is to leave everything on him and have to have him pay for me and my husband's health care and, and means and everything as we get older. I want to do everything possible to be able to care for ourselves so that I can leave, and this is kind of the last point that we'll get to, generational wealth for my, yes. my son. You know, I can leave something for him when the inevitable day comes, hopefully very, very long from now. Yes. But you know, that's the thing is you kind of have to think about the future and think beyond the now and understanding the concepts of financial independence and then trying to achieve them will help you think beyond today and help you think about next year. You're thinking, you know, tens of years ahead, decades ahead. And that's really the key of, of that portion of trying to achieve financial independence. Yeah. You know, I think if anything that we all learn from COVID and coronavirus is that there are no certainties when it comes to your job and your health, that your job can be taken away at a moment's notice. I mean, so many industries are floundering right now. They had no idea that they would be impacted by mm -hmm. coronavirus. You know, I was reading an article today about the cruise ship industry and how they're like, they're literally um, deconstructing cruise ships and just they're taking, oh them, taking yeah, it's, it's actually kind of like when you see the photos, it's very weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so many unexpected industries have lost jobs, have had to lay off people, and nobody in, in, in anticipated this going into 2020, right? And the same thing with your health. Anybody can be impacted by coronavirus, as we have seen 
time and time again, anybody can be impacted by this. And yes, hopefully this is a once in a millennia, you know, or once in a century, you know, type of deal with this pandemic. But, <laughs> but we did not know it was going to happen in our lifetime. And right. so having money, having financial independence, having sitting on that um, nest egg, if you will, gives you options when you when the unexpected happens when you don't know where your paycheck is going to come from when when you are physically unable to work you need to be able to know that you can still pay for your life unfortunately we don't have the social safety nets in this country that other countries have that other more developed nations have um and so it really is kind of incumbent on us and so it is okay for me to make a sacrifice on Chick-fil-A if it means that should I ever lose my job, I've got that security and that I am saving my mental health from having Definitely. stress and worry and having anxiety over how I'm going to pay for my life so the unexpected happen. Definitely. Yeah. And that's one of the things that was important to me when I decided to go on this path was, so I, I think you're familiar with Vicki Robin and those who aren't. Vicki Robin is an author who wrote uh, Your Money or Your Life. And that came out probably almost 30 years ago now. Yeah. It's been a while. And I think we released it um, a year or so ago. But it's a fantastic book, to which I've never read. <laughs> but I have, I've heard like everything about it. I've read, you know, our, uh, I've read articles about her. I've listened to interviews with her. Um, she's basically talked about the book in detail in a number of, um, of presentations and things. And so I, I practically have read the book. I definitely get the concept of it. And when she uh, talks about life force, that's why I kind of mentioned it earlier, it's basically saying that you exchange your time and your life for money. And if you put it that way, it's basically saying for every dollar that you spend, that is time that you will never get back. But that time might be worth it. So, you know, yes, you might go on an expensive vacation with your family, but the time with your family is so important that it's worth spending that amount of money. Whereas if you're going out, you know, to the bars every, you know, night or every weekend and spending hundreds of dollars and it's just floating out into the ether, you know, <laughs> you don't really know where your money's going, which yes, I, I've been there before. You know, then <laughs> that, all have. That's your life force though. That's time you will yeah. never get back that, you know, what are you going to do? You know, it, it's already gone. It's already out there. It's money already spent. So yeah. when you start to put the dollar to your time, it really becomes a lot easier to, to live that financially intentional life and to realize like, okay, this is my freedom. Because again, time is something that we'll never get back. And we spend so much time at our employers, you know, at least 40 hours a week, typically. And, you know, if, if not more for a lot of people and, that's 40 hours a week that we're not spending with our family, that we're not doing our passions, perhaps. I mean, hopefully you are. Hopefully you're, you're working somewhere that that's, you know, fulfilling you. But unfortunately, I know a lot of people aren't. And that's time that you're not going to get back. And so if you had the opportunity to take your time back, to choose to live how you want to live, then what's, you know, what's the downside of that? That's yeah. what independence can afford you. And I think that's a, a good segue to our question of the day, actually. So our question of the day today is, if money were no object, but you still had to work, what would you do? And I love this question because it really makes you think about, okay, if, if I didn't have to worry about a paycheck, if I didn't have to, you know, worry about 
paying my bills and doing all the other things that people have to do, <laughs> then what would I be doing? What, what passion would I be fulfilling? And so I think it's a fun thing to try to think about. And, you know, even now, like I, I kind of think I know what I would do, but it's also like, well, that's only because I've only worked for money. I've never worked for passion. So mm -hmm. I, even the thing I think today may not be the reality tomorrow. I mean, I yeah. have no idea. So I'm trying to think, so I know, <laughs> My husband said that uh, if if he had you know, money were no object and whatnot, uh, what he would do is probably something either with beer or with music or with both. And I definitely agree. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> I mean, he project. could have a brewery and bring in live bands and maybe that's his thing. You know, that would be an awesome way to blend his passions. Um, Morgan from Young Black Misses is here and she um, she she commented on our Instagram post earlier when we talked about the question of the day. Um, and Morgan, I think you were talking about you would do something with food. Naturally, you're such a foodie and such a great chef. So I think that's a perfect fit for you. Um, I have to, I have to be honest, the thing I would do is actually what I'm doing right now. So I have a calligraphy side business. I love doing calligraphy. It's a passion of mine. Um, I have all, like, since I was a little kid, I used yeah. to write on things. Stephanie can attest to it. Yeah. I would literally write on every scrap piece of paper in the house. I was obsessed with my handwriting. I was obsessed yeah. with having good handwriting and I just loved writing. Like to this day, I actually still take handwritten notes. I just enjoy writing. Um, and so three years ago, I really decided to sit down and learn pointed pen calligraphy. I love doing it so much. I built a side business doing it. And it's not something that I would want to do. Um, I wouldn't want to try to build a business where it's going to replace my full-time income, the income that I make from my nine to five job, because that would be a lot of of labor. It would just, it would have to be a lot of work, a lot of physical labor because it is a, a physically intensive job. But if I didn't have to work for money, money was taken care of, but I still had to work. I would do, I would do calligraphy. Um, I would also do what we're doing here with Winance. I love, love, love um, coaching people and talking to people about um, how to achieve financial independence and financial freedom in their life. And this is something I, we do it for free now. So I would yeah. continue doing it. Um, I love doing it. Um, and if I had like my dream job now, I, I have to say I'm not being self-deprecating here but I, I just am not that great with, with math and science, especially with you know any kind of complex calculations. Like I said last week, I know how to use a calculator, but I'm not very good with like, you know, complex calculations. But if I could, I would be an astronaut. I would be an astronomer. I mean, it does bother me to know that I will probably die never having left this planet, never seeing this planet from space. Um, it, I have to tell you, it's like finding out that you're never going to be able to look at your own face. You know what I mean? Like it's like one of those realizations, like I'm never going to look at the planet from outside the planet. <laughs> well, Hey, if, uh, uh, what's his name? Elon Musk keeps going the way he's going yeah, and commercializing space. And yeah, all you'll need is like a smooth half million and you can, you know, shuttle yourself up there. <laughs> I mean, maybe Steph, maybe one day. <laughs> That's like um, Uber FI. <laughs> If you guys are joining in the live stream, leave us a comment and let us know what would you do? What the question of the day is, what would you do if money were no object, but you still had to work? What would you do? Leave us a comment and let us know. Um, we're going to go ahead and get back to um, the other reasons why we believe everyone should pursue financial independence and how it helps you live a more intentional life. So 
one of the biggest reasons, and just like security was Stephanie's number one, freedom is actually my number one. Um, freedom and choice and flexibility and options, all of that kind of goes into the freedom umbrella. Um, and so financial independence really forces you to evaluate your life, what you truly want out of life. Stephanie's talked about that. And it allows you to choose your own path, right? So you don't necessarily have to go the way that society tells you have to go and you don't have to go to the way that your college degree suggests that you should go. You can choose for yourself and that choice is freedom. And I just don't think that there is really any more, at least for me, any more powerful reason to pursue financial independence than giving myself options and choice. I am somebody who believes that um, life is a buffet and I want to try everything. Um, if you are familiar with the Enneagram personality test, I'm an Enneagram seven, which is the enthusiast, also known as the adventurous. It means we want to do all the things and I love doing all the things. And some people talk about, oh, I don't know if I could ever retire because I don't know what I would do with all my time. Girl, I can't stop thinking of things I would do with my time. I mean, I don't miss goes on and on and on yeah. and on. And I actually, I genuinely do feel sorry for people because I know that those are people who actually would love to find like purpose and passion. Um, And I don't say that to chide them. I, I just saying like, I am somebody. Who <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know exactly what you mean. Actually, one of my coworkers, he retired this year. Uh, but, you know, technically he's still working. But when he announced that he was retiring, I asked him, I was like, okay, before you tell me you're retiring, what are you retiring to? And he listed off, five, six, seven things that he's like, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do this, and do that. Yeah, like it was legitimate things, not like, well, I'm gonna walk the dog and watch Netflix, and you know, I guess I got some painting to do around the house. No, he had like legitimate stuff that he was gonna do. I was like, good. Like I had to approve his uh his retirement. Like I I now bless you to retire. Like, <laughs> you know, like, but that was the thing is I've seen so many of my coworkers who are older and they're retiring at, at you know a typical retirement age. And then they end up retiring to nothing and either they come back to the workforce, you know, six months, a year later, or, you know, unfortunately they just kind of deteriorate. And I really don't want that for the people, you know, that I really like and that, that are in my life. I want, you know, people to have something that they're, they're aiming for. And so again, like we've just been talking about the financial independence part, not the retirement or not the retire early, but again, that whole financial independence part of it gives you the freedom to choose what it is that you want to do, figure out what your passion is, figure out what that, that job or that activity is that you would do if money were no object. And then see if that's the opportunity you want to go for. See if that's what you want to actually do. You know, if you're not in love with what you're currently doing and you now don't have to worry about getting that paycheck every week because you figured out a way to make your money, make money, then that's the time for you to try those passions. I love this topic so much. Like I could literally talk about pursuing personal passions all day long again, because I am somebody who has multiple passions. And also my passions change from time to time. I used to really be into fashion. I had a fashion blog 10 plus years ago. That's why when I say I am a reformed shopaholic, I truly am. A, I mean, if you have a fashion blog, yes. you will find every excuse in the world to go shopping and spend money on yep. things that you don't need. Um, Your closet was ridiculous. It was my just- closet My closet was ridiculous. 
<laughs> we could I, when we talk about spending intentionally. I will talk more about like my former life as a fashionista, but and I still love to dress nicely. Um, I will say as I've gotten older, like comfort is a little bit more important than you know trends and things like that. Join the dark side. <laughs> I know. I, I know. Girl of comfort. I mean, I like fashion. I like makeup and stuff and hair, but yeah. I was always a girl of comfort. <laughs> I, I never thought a day would come where I didn't want to wear high heels. I've loved wearing high heels. And I um, threw out my back a few years ago, playing with your child, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, my back has never been quite the same. And um, standing in heels, I can do like a wedge heel, like a stacked heel or a wedge. But like standing yeah. in stilettos for like more than 10 minutes just kills my back. So the uh, anyways, this is so beside <laughs> the topic. Um but actually talking about freedom goes into the next reason why we believe everybody should pursue financial independence, which is time ownership. You are owning your time. I, as I like, I like to quote Auntie Maxine with this one, Maxine Water. <laughs> I am reclaiming my time. Yes. So financial independence, you get to reclaim your time. Not only are you reclaiming your time, you are buying back your time from your current and potentially future employers. Think mm -hmm. about that concept when you are saving money so much so that you don't have that you can choose whether you're working, you are buying back that time from your employer, because what we are all doing right now when we are employed by an employer, and this is not a bad thing, but when you are an employed person, you are trading your time for money. Um, Tim Ferriss, who's the author of the was a four hour work four week, week. Um, it's a very popular book in the financial independence community. Um, and he talks a lot about this concept of trading time for money and time ownership. Um, and so when you are financially independent, when all of your expenses are paid for for the rest of your life, when you can live off of your investments, you have bought back your time from your employer and there is no higher form of freedom yep. than owning your own time. Um, there's no higher form of of resistance, quite frankly, of protest. You know, I mean, it just it gives me goosebumps because I really do think about this on like a on a social like societal level. Like just think how much happier Americans would be, you know, if we all owned our own time and we could use that time to pursue our own passions and we didn't have to worry about, um, you know, basic things like healthcare and keeping a roof over our heads. Yep. Um, so that's another reason why I'm, you know, I have ulterior motives. I want to live <laughs> in a utopia. I really do. I'm like a hippie at heart. I want to live in a utopia where everyone is happy and pursuing their passions and living blissfully. And we don't have to worry about like, you know, paying for, you know, health, healthcare and things like that. But until that time basic comes, needs. yes, exactly. Your basic needs. And until that time comes, and I don't know if it'll ever happen in my lifetime, but until it does, financial independence is the closest, you know, the next best thing. So, um, and actually something that they say is that people who have achieved financial independence actually can make some of the best workers and employees yes, because yes. they're working because they yes. choose to, they want to be there. They're not just there to pull in their paycheck, you know, each week or every other week or whatever. And, you know, clock in and clock out nine to five. They want to be there. They actually are enjoying the work they do because otherwise they could just leave. They'd be like, Oh, I'm done. Right. <laughs> you know, but instead they choose to be there. And so therefore they're more committed and can be more passionate about the work that they're doing because they're not just working for the paycheck. They're working for, for the job, for the actual work that they're doing and producing. Yeah. So, you know, that's the thing is that even employers should be glad if people want to get financial independence, because that means that the employees that they have there are the people who actually want to be there. Yes. 
Completely agree. And even if you are planning to retire early, I still think people who are pursuing financial independence, who are pursuing fire in this case, um, make very good employees because those are people who also want to get out as quickly as possible. So they're going to try to climb the ranks. They're going to try to get those promotions. They're going to try to increase their income, right? And so you have to work harder and smarter and be a contributor to your workplace, to your employer in order to get those things. So we could do another episode about that. (laughs) I know, like really, there's so much to, to talk about this. And I know we're, we don't want to make this too long for everyone, but you know, that's the thing is that there's so many benefits and it's really unique to each person. You know, you might love the job you have and you're going to be one of those people who wants to stay there, even once you've reached financial independence, or you might be, you know, dissatisfied where you currently are and know that there's another option out there for you, but unfortunately it just doesn't pay that much. That's what financial independence can afford you. Yeah. So the other thing that I am you know, big on, and I mentioned it earlier, was that financial independence can help you build generational wealth. Yes. And you know, for people who grew up financially insecure, for you know, minorities and people of color, it, the whole concept of generational wealth is you know, either non-existent or something far off in the distance. And I know certainly for our family, you know, coming from you know, slavery and what our great, great grandfather did and building wealth through farming and through owning businesses and owning land and teaching his children how to do that as well. That was so important to him. And, you know, unfortunately I have no idea. I know that we do still have relatives that own land down in Alabama and our farm. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's not like our whole family is just wealthy, you know, landowners. Total sidebar, but we did a blog post a little bit about our family. It was right, um, you know, right after the George Floyd murders and um, Black Lives Matter and the protests and everything. We did a blog post blog post about that. And we talked a bit about our family history, but um, we do come from um, a family of farmers in Alabama. And actually the New York Times did a profile on our family, the family farm that's still in existence today. Um, we should actually post that to um, the Facebook page um, if you wanted to learn more about that. But I do, I am, I think about generational wealth. That is exactly what I think about when I think about generational wealth, at least in our family. And we are so blessed and privileged to know our family's history because that is not something that most, especially most black Americans have that luxury of knowing their, their family's history, um, you know, up to slavery. And the fact that, you know, our family was able to create this generational wealth and to pay it forward to other free black slaves. Um, I, I get goosebumps and quite frankly, get choked up, you know, just thinking about the concept of it. Exactly. And that's the thing that I constantly think in my mind is, you know, granted, kind of like I was mentioning is, is there, you know, we still do have family who own farms and, 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 you know, still own land down there, but a lot of it was sold off over the years. You know, it's not like our family is just a huge family of, of landowners, you know, the, the wealth kind of dissipated over the generations, but I hope that our generation and my son's generation, his kid's generation can help build that up again. And by learning these concepts, by learning how to invest, by learning what even financial independence is, that's how you start it again. That's how you either start it in the first place or start it over again. Because I'm certain that if the opportunities that were available today, that are available to us today, were available for our great-great-grandfather, there's no doubt in my mind that he would have been a person who achieved financial independence and taught his children how to achieve financial independence and made their children teach their children. And, you know, financial independence just would have been a thing that we do at this point. You know, I I know for certain, and I know there's so many families out there who are like that, who's, you know, first, you know, either they're they're immigrants and their first family members who came over here, you know, had that drive to just 
try to live and, and have a better life for their family. And, you know, it's, it's such a difficult thing. And a lot of opportunities were not available, you know, previous in previous generations that are available to us now. And so it's kind of our responsibility to take advantage of these opportunities, yeah. to take advantage of the fact that as women, we can invest on our own and, you know, with our own money and don't have to have our husbands or our fathers sign off on things. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that even just a couple decades ago, or, you know, a few more than a couple, but either way, that we would not have been able to do, you know, yeah. we would have had to have our, our husband's okay to be able to even open a bank account or a credit card. Yeah. So these are things that we are very fortunate to live in the, the era that we do. I mean, even despite its flaws at the time, and, and we know there are many flaws right now <laughs> going on, but you know, <laughs> despite all that, there's been so much work that has been done throughout the past generations to get us to this point today. And it's our duty to take advantage of that the best that we can to give honor to the people who have fought for these privileges for us and to actually put them to use. And I think that's what trying to build generational wealth does. That's what trying to teach your children and your family members about it as well. Cause it's not just you and your child, but you might have nieces and nephews. You might have, you know, friends who have kids that, you know, you yeah. love like a, like a niece or a nephew. You might have cousins, you, you know, you have best friends across the street, whatever it might be. That's the thing is that to share this knowledge and this information and help other people achieve it for their own family and their own friends and their own children and whatnot. Yeah. Oops. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> put a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> Something else that I thought about what when you were talking about generational wealth is that so of course creating generational wealth is of course like you know money that you pass down right but it's also assets like a home generational wealth is also the ability to pay for your children or the children in your life or your loved ones like to go to college that is generational wealth like we need to talk more specifically like generational wealth is not just like an inheritance it's also money that your family is able to provide like that security that they're able to provide that um, success that they're able to set you up with. But also something else that struck me stuff was that teaching your children about financial independence, about how to manage their money, about freedom, the financial freedom, not just like money management. Money management is something you do when you're trying to be paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. uh, wealth mindset, teaching your child a wealth mindset is an act of generational wealth is an act of creating generational wealth because then you are setting that child up for future success so that when they get that inheritance from you, whether it's a property or money or whatever the case is, or a college degree that you're paying for, they know how to actually leverage that and continue building wealth upon that versus squandering it, you know? And I think that's a lot of people, you know, might be afraid, well, I don't really want to leave, you know, something behind because I don't know if they're going to take advantage of it. Well, it's incumbent upon you to, to teach them how to take care of it, you know, and we could talk about this, you know, I, we've talked with this. I feel like we came up with like five new episode topics tonight, but, I know. um, I know, but that, yeah, that's the thing is that even at a young age, you can teach your children about the concepts of, of investing, the concepts of saving money and at age appropriate levels, you, you bring them up and you teach them more and more and more. So that way it's just something that they've grown up learning. You know, that's yeah. the thing is we did not grow up learning this. This is no. all relatively new to us, you know, in our lifetime, this Very is new, new yes. but yeah. I don't want the same for my child. I, I want him to understand these concepts at an early age so that I can feel confident that when, you know, I leave him 
money. I leave him, you know, property. I leave him whatever assets I have. I can trust that he'll know what to do with them and how to continue that growth and not just squander them and not just sell everything and buy whatever and go, you know, hang out on a yacht all day, which it would be awesome if we had yacht money, but you know, <laughs> even that. I just want yacht money. I'm not saying I'd have a yacht. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, that sounds like just such a waste, but I wouldn't mind going for a ride on a yacht. I wouldn't mind yeah, having a friend with a yacht. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we want to get you guys out of here. I hear there's a debate tonight. So we mm -hmm. want to get you guys out of here, but we do have our challenge of the week. So, all right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and pull that up. All right, Steph, you want to walk us through this? Yeah, so our challenge of the week while we were talking about assets, it is to start tracking your net worth. And our tip is to use something like Mint or Personal Capital that basically does the work for you. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about using Mint and Personal Capital as a budget tracking tool, but these are also net worth tracking tools. And so if you link all of your accounts, if you link your, your mortgage plus your actual house. So how much your house is worth if you were to sell your house today for, you know, $500,000, but you owe 300,000 on it, that's still an asset of $200,000. So, you know, that's the thing is you want to include your assets plus your debts. So your bank accounts, your credit cards, your investment accounts, you know, your, your house, <laughs> you I'm know, some people cars and, and if you own businesses or whatever, there's so many different ways to calculate your net worth. And definitely if you, you know, you can Google it, there's a number of net worth calculators, but personally we like mint and personal capital just because they do the work for you. They do a lot of the heavy lifting for you and it'll help you figure out really where you are today. And, you know, maybe you're already calculating your net worth and, you know, you say, Oh yeah, well, I already do that. I know what I am. Then recalculate it now. When was the last time you checked it? You know, personally, I do my net worth every three months. And actually, today is literally the day that I need to do it. I was busy today, so I didn't have a chance to. But you better believe first thing tomorrow, I'm going to calculate my net worth and update it on, on my lovely financial spreadsheet. And I track it and I've seen over the years how much it's increased. And that's one of the benefits of it as well, is that it's such a motivator. Like there might be periods of time, you know, the market's down, whatever, you know, that you, it might have gone down a little bit since the last time you calculated it. But if you do it consistently over time, hopefully you're going to see that little graph chart go up. And that's such a motivating factor oh, to yeah. continue going forward. You know, if I look at my net worth from 10 years ago, even five years ago, it's less than half of what it is today. My net worth has more than doubled in the past three years. Oh, yeah. And yeah. that's the crazy part is that I'm not doing anything exceptionally special. I didn't, you know, fall into a ton of money. My job didn't double the income. You know, yes, I've gotten raises over the year and whatnot, but it's not like I'm making so much more, you know, compared to three years ago. I've been in the same job for, you know, I've been a manager for five years and I've been in, in software testing and test engineering for over 10 years. So it's not like I had to jump into a new industry even. It's all just how I've been using my money and how I've been sending it, spending it and how I've also been saving it. So that's the thing is that, you know, to achieve a, a high net worth, it doesn't mean that you have to, again, we say this all the time, live on rice and beans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just means that you need to spend and save your money intentionally, figure out the right path to get there, learn about the concepts of financial independence and try to put them to use for yourself. Yeah. I will also say with tracking your net worth, I mean, I love tracking my net worth, but also if you 
feel like if you don't know what your number is and you feel that you might have a negative net worth, especially if you have debt, maybe you're paying off student loans or credit cards or car or whatever have you, don't be afraid of a negative net worth because there is power in knowing your numbers. You have to face your numbers in order to get on the other side of that. If you stick your head in the sand and you just don't want to see it, well, all you're going to get is more of that negative net worth. But if you want to get from negative to positive and then from or negative to zero and then zero to positive, you've got to start where you're at today. So you got to don't stick your head in the sand. Go ahead. And like I said, I mean, I think it's phenomenal that you track it on a spreadsheet. I don't do that. <laughs> I'm a spreadsheet nerd. <laughs> I, you know, I have a spreadsheet. I do have my my budget spreadsheet, but I don't use it to track my net worth. I really love personal capital, and I'm not being paid to say that. I don't get any benefit from from telling you. It's just a really great app. Um, Mint also does a net worth net worth tracking. Um, I really personally prefer personal capital, but either way, it is so important to know your number. So that is our challenge of the week, um, and we are going to be checking in to see how you all are doing. And um, we, as we kind of get, you know, close down for tonight or wind down rather for tonight, I wanted to sort of reiterate the, um, the concepts that we went over. So the four reasons why we believe that everybody should pursue financial independence um, and how it ties back to living intentionally is one, the financial health and security. You know, you never know when the unexpected is gonna happen. Number two is freedom and choice. Um, financial independence gives you freedom and it gives you choices. Number three is time ownership. You are owning your time. You are buying back your time from your employers. And number four is that it creates and builds generational wealth that you can pass down. So that is our episode for this week. I know. So excited. I think it was such a great topic. And I think it was a good intro into what our topic is for next week which is how to spend with intention. And so we've talked a lot about it kind of high level today and, and why it's important to spend with intention, but we'll deep dive into it a little bit more next week and give you some tips and tricks on how you can do that. And you know, some of our more stories about home goods and not going fuck wild in there. <laughs> I do love home goods. I still I love home goods. <laughs> but I flex that muscle. So when I go in there, I go in there and I buy just what I what I need to buy. Exactly. And if if there is something that I see that I didn't go in there to buy, I have to really evaluate is this something I actually need or is this a want? And am I gonna be over it in a matter of time? So absolutely. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for tuning in again tonight. Thank you for all of you who are on the live stream. Love that you guys join in. And um, remember, Winance Wednesday um, as a live stream show every Wednesday here on YouTube and Facebook. Go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe so other people can see our great content. Also, we come in podcast form now. So if you prefer to listen to us, hello out there in podcast land. Um, we are available on all the major podcast networks. Yep. And don't forget to sign up for our workshop. It's at winancefi.com and it's on October 22nd at 7 p.m. for our Build Wealth Through Your 401k. So hopefully we'll see everyone there. Thanks so much for joining everyone. We'll see you next week. Yep. See you, everyone.
Listeners, please be advised. We are not financial advisors. The content on the Winance podcast, YouTube channel, website, and other social channels is for informational and educational purposes only and merely cite our personal opinions. Our content does not constitute as accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Winance and our associated entities assume no liability or responsibility for how listeners and readers apply the information found at our channels. In order to make the best financial decision that suits your individual needs, you should conduct your own research and perhaps seek the advice of a licensed financial advisor if necessary. All investments involve some form of risk, and there is no guarantee that you will be successful in making, saving, or investing money, nor is there any guarantee that you won't experience any loss when investing. Always remember to make smart decisions and do your own independent research.